Abba Yahweh, this place, this time to be in your presence, to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, Father God. Thank you for yet again breathing into my lungs and permitting this. You bless me so greatly, Father, so undeserving, but you love me so much. This opportunity to be a conduit for your word, Father. For any that have an ear to hear the words, but listen to the message. Go to the word of God. Seek his face. Seek the truth. So, you've heard me share this before. I'm going to share it now because I just realized in having to actually one of my favorite readings and, and just realized that, that going between what this commentator and be it the person is, is, a, is a good person and I, I love their writings and I share a lot. But learning that going from what they're saying and then you go to the Bible and you see that it's very different. And you have to use, uh, pray the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will guide you to the truth and show you the truth. We'll always share that with you. We'll always share that with you, as opposed to others that will not. Um, this person is not trying to Mm, vaunt themselves as something or someone more important than anything else. It's just their choice of words, and, and that's okay. And that's what the Holy Spirit has shown me, showed me that it was just a matter of a choice of words. And it's not exactly the way the Bible speaks to it. And, and they're talking about Esau and Jacob. Well, when you use a term or a phrase like enraged at, um, fleeing from enraged, um, it lends to something that may not exactly be right. Now, when you, um, if you look up the word enraged, and I'm going to do that right now, um, to make extremely angry and put into a rage. Well, also it can be looking at provoking into fury. Well, all of those descriptions lend for it to be something really not good. However, if you go to the scripture, you see that it's not exactly that way. Specifically, I'm talking about Esau and Jacob. And this comes from when Jacob knew that Esau was upset with him. Now, you, you understand, too, that, that Esau is culpably responsible. <laughs> but if you know the story that, that was uh, done, that they, they both worked and they deceived their father, who was not able to see very well, but he knew that his one son was very hairy and the other was not so much so. 
and it had to do with the blessings. So there was still, it, it's pretty silly, but I mean, we are that way still. We'll connive and coerce somebody into something and it's not exactly the way it should be. Um, and then when it doesn't, turn out and then later you want to backpedal or you want to backtrack and and change it well that doesn't work out so well so anyway Jacob left Esau was not happy um and Jacob was somewhat fretful of Esau's attitude he wasn't in rage and he wasn't in a fury but he wasn't happy because Jacob was doing something the way he wouldn't do it. And is this is quite often the way we react to individuals in our walk on this plane of existence. We react to others the way that we would normally react. And because they don't, then it's hard for us to understand. And I've actually had individuals not understand my reaction. I tell them, I say, well, there's no reason for me to be upset. Why do you think I should be? Oh, well, that's the way I would have done it, or that's the way I would have. Well, okay, then I'm not you, and it's probably good that I didn't react the way you did, otherwise we'd be in a tussle right now. And of course, even back then, that was I wasn't walking with the Lord the way I am today and the way I should have been, but I didn't want to fight with people, and not to brag on this, but I'm quite certain that it wouldn't have ended up very well for that person. So, that being said, it's good that I don't do that. But we have to be cautious, very cautious. And um, I've shared with you in commentators' statements and the things that they say. And I bring that up because this is going to fall right into line with what the Holy Spirit brought me to. And I, I shared this with you before, too, is that the Holy Spirit's been... I'm trying to remember the picture that he showed me earlier, because he's been... The Holy Spirit's been waking me up with these visions. Um, a quick little flash of a dream that, quite honestly, I'm not sure how long I was there. Interesting. Um but it seems like just a moment, and then I'm not sure. But at any rate, I, he roused me with a dream again this morning. And um, when I look and check at the clock, it seems like it was actually several hours, but I don't recall. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works. I mean, time is irrelevant, really. But what I what I intend to share with you is something that we need to be very careful to do. And when you listen, when you're listening to the Spirit speak, He oftentimes does it from within. And there are a lot of people that will sometimes miss what's being said because they're waiting or thinking that he's going to speak outwardly 
and they're looking or listening for an audible voice. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that all the time. Sometimes you will. I shared with you when I was going to drive my 18-wheeler off the bridge. I had it all planned out. I had it plotted out. And I was going to do it that night. And figured out that it could be done. I could I could do it. It wasn't going to cause a big issue. Uh, it wouldn't cause an issue for anyone else until after I'd already gone through the guardrail. Because there's nobody going to be hit by my truck or no one that was going to um, outside of my truck. Um, I was just going to go. Just me, myself, and I. However, I wasn't thinking about my parents who were still alive at the time. And I wasn't thinking about anyone else except poor, poor, pitiful me. Self-centered, poor, poor, pitiful me. All about me and what was going on and not considering the consequential path. It's just poor, poor me. And then the Holy Spirit spoke and I shared with you that it was so audible, I thought that there was someone in the sleeper compartment of my truck my tractor, uh, some of you may not be familiar, but in the tractor, that's what drivers call them, tractors, because they, they have a great big Caterpillar engine in most of them. Um, so you have the driver's seat and the passenger seat, and you have that big area up in front. Sometimes drivers, solo drivers, will take out that passenger seat. I left mine in because my dog liked to sit with me, and sometimes I would have uh, one of my other drivers that would show up that I've known for a long time and we'd sit and have coffee. And then there's a curtain and sometimes there's a door, an actual door that separates that area from the sleeper. So rolling along here, I had a curtain. And so I pulled the curtain aside because the voice was so audible or seemed to be audible that it was as if someone was in there with me. It actually startled me. But it was the speaking of the Holy Spirit. And he did that intentionally. I'm sure he did. There's always intention. God's, God's word comes out with intention. Like he talks about his word comes out like the snow and the rain and that it doesn't return to him without purpose. He puts it out there for a reason. So the Holy Spirit came out and got my attention indeed. So... What about my grandchildren? I hadn't even thought about that. As I shared, my children were not out of elementary school. They weren't even to the midpoint of that stage in their life. And see, back in my day, you had elementary school that was from kindergarten to uh, the sixth grade. And then you went on to the seventh eighth and ninth grade, and then in high school, you had 10, 11, and 12, and then you graduated and you went to college. Nowadays, they have middle school, and it just, there's all kinds of weird stuff going on. But anyway, they were, they hadn't meet, they hadn't arrived to the midpoint of elementary school yet. I don't even think they'd stolen their first kiss from some little girl at the drinking fountain that might have had a crush on. I don't know what was going on with them because of my consequential life. 
and what was going on, but I was disturbed about poor, poor, pitiful me and not about anything to do with them or my parents or anyone else. I was going to just take my life because I was foolish. And thank you, Father, for not allowing. <laughs> and some people will just go anyway. But the Holy Spirit doesn't always speak outwardly, sometimes speaks from within. And we have to be aware, be paying attention to this. And um, a lot of times, and the Holy Spirit has, has shared with me and, and um, God shares with me, but a lot of times you will have individuals um, Mammon will describe it as, and they're taking it very personal, it's all about them. So I'm thinking of this because of insight. Well, you might think that you know what that means. And that's good if you think you do, and that's okay. But insight is... Remember when you look at things in a dictionary, keep in mind on who writes that and who looks up that information and who disseminates that information. Is it coming from God or does it come from mammon? Mammon being man and their interests and their interests are more about self and about money and not about God for the most part. Not always, but for the most part. So when they talk about insight, which is an old English term, and they explain it as um, an instance of apprehending the true nature of a thing, especially through intuitive understanding. Well, that sounds a whole lot about something really relatively simple. Well, it is. There's a lot of extra garbage when it's actually inside is something that's permitted and it's gifted. And there are many that just don't understand that and they don't get it. And they go along with these commentators and these self-righteous individuals. And a lot of those are whom I shared this with you already, the self-proclaimed, self-vaunting, and patting themselves on the back because they're self-help gurus. They will teach you how to do it, and they will teach you how to be insightful into your problems or situations. But the reality of it is that they're not grasping the true nature of a thing, especially through intuitive understanding, because they're not. That appears something that, oh, I oh, I get that now. And then they make, they don't follow the leading and they go off on a tangent and many times it's incorrect. So they're not exactly following that truth. 
Now you have another definition that is more to my my opinion, my liking. It's a penetrating mental vision or discernment. Now I like this part, this one, because this is more biblical in nature and you will find that term discernment in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit permits that in individuals, gives them discernment and they can see and understand things that others cannot. And sometimes it's, uh, it can be a painful place, not intending to cause pain or harm, but sometimes when you are able to see things that are troubling others, and then um, the Lord has that taken to where it should be, prayer. And you take it to the altar of God. You take it to the altar of prayer. You take it to the mercy seat as has been termed many times, the mercy seat. Now, if you go to following the rule of faith or rule of fidei, you will find what they're talking about in the mercy seat. The mercy seat is um, on the Ark of the Covenant and that was kept in the innermost part of the temple. And the only one allowed to go in there was a high priest. Well, I told you what my problem was with that, was they could go in there and then come back and tell anybody anything they wanted to tell them. And it better be that they were telling them what God had them say or that person wouldn't be alive for very long. And that's happened a couple times. You can find that in the Bible. So discernment is a gift that God gives through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes for the person, it can, it can cause some heartache. Yeah, let's use that term, heartache. Because they feel so much for the person. Um, I use a term that, that God has given to me for some others because it's a good thing that he gifted them to me. So it's, it's nothing at all to be, um, to be discounting by any way, shape or form, but he puts people, what I've come to, what I've learned is, um, God actually designates us. <laughs> he, he designated it. He, it's a prayer shelf. And what he does is when a person goes on my prayer shelf, they, I pray for them or over them and, and they're there. And we should pray one for another all the time. And we are in constant prayer and we remember to pray for them. However, sometimes what I have learned is that there are mm, individuals that God wants particular attention to, like the pastor of our church. He gifted him to me. And there's a young man that he gifted him to me. And I've got several people that are up on my prayer shelf. I pray for all my brothers and sisters, I do. But he, for his, re and he's God. I'm not gonna debate this and his reason for it. It's all according to his will that he's got some individuals that he makes sure are on my prayer shelf. Not for any designation from himself, but that I, that's more for me, I believe.
and the spirit is allowing that because he doesn't want me to forget them. He, he's, it's a designated place so that I don't sidestep. If you get what I'm saying, sometimes we get caught up in things and I try to remember to, to be always praying all day long for them. And when individuals are on my prayer shelf, I can't really get by it without seeing or understanding. Anyway, it's, it's something that God has established. Maybe he's starting to do that because he knows I'm getting older and forgets stuff. I don't send it, Father. <laughs> okay, I'll behave. Um, so this is important, and you will have those that uh, you have. Sometimes you have uh, psychologists. There are some that are not really good, and there are some that are good and actually follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and they follow the Bible. They read the Bible, and sometimes they share scripture with uh, quote-unquote patience. Um, and it's not all about self-help guruism. How would you say that? Guruism. But um, those individuals I don't particularly like because they are teaching something that is absolutely, totally, 100% contrary to biblical teaching and the truth. And that is they teach you how to go about doing things yourself. And they vaunt themselves way up and elevate themselves. They're self-centered, they're arrogant, they're obnoxious. And if they tell you that they're sharing scripture or that they're a Christian, they're a liar because if they were that very thing, they would not be telling you to go it on your own because the Bible tells you not to do that. The Bible tells you that you should be centered in Christ Jesus who came here and died on the cross, was crucified, murdered for your sake to shed his blood so that you would be able to repent, be redeemed and saved, and then become an heir and a joint heir in the kingdom of heaven with Christ Jesus, the very one that came and died. And they're telling you to go it on your own and you can do it all by yourself. Well, that's contrary teaching. So the problem, the reason I get so worked up is how can they claim to be a Christian, self-proclaimed Christian, a label head, how can they proclaim that and yet they teach completely contrary to the word of God? I have difficulty in that. And, then if, and of course, they're gonna try to explain that away so that they can make themselves seem that they're relative. Well, they're not. If you're teaching a person and you're claiming to be a Christian and you're teaching them to go completely contrary to biblical teaching and go against the word of God, the precepts of God, God's tenets, and you're telling them to go in that direction instead of following them, then you are a liar and you are a deceiver and you are not of God. Plain and simple, period, and fact. John writes about this in his letters. If you claim to be a Christian or a follower of Christ, and yet you do not preach that he came, or you do not believe that, he, that God came in the flesh and came here and was crucified, then you are a liar. It's in the Bible. It's true. John writes about it. So, 
I share that because you have these individuals that claim to have this insight or they're able to see this and they're able to pursue, to perceive and they have a faculty of seeing into the inner character or the underlying truth. Really? Are you sure that it's not just the underlying lies that you're perceiving? Because if you're not using gifted discernment and you're doing this on your own and trying to convince others that you see something that's going on in their life, a relationship that's not, then you're lying to them. You're deceiving them. You're not speaking the truth. Psychologists like to phrase it as um, the understanding of relationships. This sheds light on or helps solve a problem. Oh, psychologists love that. I call it the, I know it's not exactly correct uh, definition-wise, but I call it psychobabble because they're psychologists and they like to babble about things that are, that that no one can under that no one is able to understand. Their patients can't understand anything, but they like to do that. And then they take notes because they get agitated or annoyed with a patient or somebody who doesn't understand and then questions what they're saying. Oh, you dare to question me? I'm the psychologist. Just like I've had doctors that have come out, and here's here's the thing. Brothers and sisters know this, and I'm just gonna get off a slight tangent. Father's allowing it to happen, so I'm gonna make it quick. When you go to a doctor and you share something with the doctor and then they try to convince you to do what they tell you to do, but you know and you feel in your heart that it's wrong, follow your instincts. Because guess what? They're your doctor. They're your employee. You're paying their fee. You're paying for them to do that. And if you don't like what they're saying, you don't have to do what they're saying simply because you pay them. And then, of course, I've had doctors say, well, I'm the doctor. How do you know? Well, excuse me. Another doctor who I fell in love with, I love this guy. He was 80 years old when I met him, hand, handshake like a bear trap, strong, clear vision, just a great guy. And he shared with me that it's called practicing medicine for a reason and that doctors are very caught up in themselves and their arrogance and their self-centeredness and that they don't know everything, but they try to convince their patients that they do. The same thing in this that psychologists will do. Understanding relationships so they can shed light or help solve a problem. Well, many times they're only increasing the problem because they're confusing people. And it seems as though that there are even certain members of the body that have true discernment. And situations that happen, they draw into prayer where the issue needs to be. And it needs to be placed in that, that, that mercy seat, as I shared with you earlier, the mercy seat. You bring it before God, you pray over it, and you don't try to solve the problem yourself. Because that gift that God has, has given for discernment, it's not for you to make everything fixed and go, that's not the purpose. The purpose for that 
is because sometimes the person cannot... Um, oh, here's an old saying. No, this is old. This goes a long time ago. They can't see the forest for the trees. What does that mean? Well, that means <clears throat> that they're too close to the situation because they're so involved with it because it's them. They can't see or they're unable to perceive that there is indeed a problem. And that old saying comes because if you've got your nose up against a tree, you're only going to see that bark that's right in front of your eyes. You can't see the forest because the trees are right smack in front of your face, so you can't see it. So when these pers this person, when you go and you try to be um, helpful, and that help is to take them in prayer. <clears throat> Pardon me. That's it. That's that's all that you do. <clears throat> you don't try to fix it and make it go away. It's not your job. And there are individuals that will claim that they saved someone or that they healed someone or that they this or they that. Well, I would distance myself from them incredibly, incredibly far and as quick as I possibly can. And I'm going to share with you, I have some issues with individuals that are um, declaring themselves to be prophets or prophesying, and then they want to jump around and, and okay, here's the thing, you got to understand, prophetic word is rema, and I've shared this with you before. Remember logos and rema. Logos is a collective word, which would be like the Bible, and how I went to Psalm and pulled out a specific scripture. And this is what rema is when you talk about that. It's a specific word of God. Specific word of God. And you have these individuals who are prophetic and they are prophets and God gives them a specific word, but they don't go running over to somebody and say, oh, I've got a word. I had this vision. God showed me this. I've got da, 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 da. Their presentation is, is more for self-vaunting than it is for being a help. <clears throat> so be cautious of individuals that are into that because it's all about something that they are that they are not. You get what I'm saying here? They're trying to make themselves out to be something they are not. And what does Christ tell us? Christ tells us they have their reward. And he used to point this out to the point this out to us and to his disciples that were there with him at the time he tried to point it out to them. They have the reward. You look how they are. Be wary of the leaven of the hypocrites. And this goes without saying those individuals that were, are within the body who are claiming to be what they are not. Be cautious, be careful, and seek the Holy Spirit to guide you. You don't have to be confrontational. You don't, you don't be confrontational. That's exactly what the Bible tells us. Do not be confrontational. And I'll be honest with you, it makes me angry, but here's the thing. The Bible also says that you can be angry, but do not sin in your anger. 
and that's possible to do. So I pray about that because when I see these things happening and it goes against biblical teaching, I'm, I'm starting to have problems uh, when I see this happening. And it troubles me and I have a desire to say something, but that's not my job. My job is to pray for them. If they are within the body, if, they're, if, they're, if these individuals are going to my church, I would be praying for them. <clears throat> and then that God or the Holy Spirit would take an elder and talk to them, counsel them. Maybe they don't realize that they're doing that. And that's possible. It might be something that's new to them, so they're really excited. And that's okay. That's okay. But they need to have education in this. This is why, why it was important. When Jesus, and you will find this at the end of the book of Luke, and you will also see it in Acts. Christ told the disciples, he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you have been given or shown by the Holy Spirit. And this is in Luke 24. I'm going to jump back there right quick here. Uh, pardon me. I'm just about there. I'm flipping, flipping, flipping. Sorry, I didn't mark it because I didn't think I was going to say anything. But it's important to say. And the Holy Spirit has said, yeah, you should. So I am. Do what he tells me to do. So if we go here. Um, and we actually see in Luke 24. Yeah, Luke 24. And we're going to go to verse 48. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Interesting. What does that mean? Endued. Well, that means that God's going to pour it out on them. And we find that that happens. That he does. And the word endue, he endows them. He gives them a, a gift or a quality that comes from him. And he gives it to them. And I like the, the one definition of that. He clothes them. And what does God talk to us about all the time? He clothes us. He robes us in his righteousness. We wear the righteousness. It's part of us. We, we go out and it's on us. Brothers and sisters, this is powerful. This is the word of God here. This is God's truth. Okay, this is what I share with you. And this is what Christ is telling the disciples. He said, yeah, I've, I've, got, this, I've got this commission that I've given everybody do. And, and you have churches that get all, they get really jacked up about the great commission. You gotta go do it, gotta go do it, gotta go do it. Go, 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 go. Except they're not following definitive directions. They're not following and they're going out. Remember that phrase I've used and told you before? Half cocked. What does that mean? They're going out unprepared. 
They're all excited and that's good to be excited. But remember, like these individuals that are going and they're, they're trying to be prophetic and do something and it's new to them and they're not quite sure, they don't quite understand it. So they're doing something that is, they mean well, but it's inappropriate because they're making it appear to be something about themselves and it should not be that. It is a gift coming from God. So if you go out and you're half-cocked, you're not ready and you don't have the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna go out and you're gonna... You're going to mess up a little bit. And you're going to mess up. So in Luke, Christ tells him to wait. Tells him to wait. And in the book of Acts, they are waiting on the Holy Spirit and they're holding off. And when they're in that upper room, before they go out, and he talks to them, and this is in um, Acts chapter one and seven. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So this is the thing that so many people get all jacked up about the Great Commission. Yes, we are given that. But we are to go with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And when you go off and you're not waiting on that and you're not being led by that, you're going off half cocked and you're not ready. But then on the day of Pentecost, we find further evidence of this, the Holy Spirit, when it comes to, um, you go to Acts 2, And when he's, and it's here, right? Right at the beginning. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That's important. All of one accord in one place. They were all gathered together and they were of one accord. They were in agreement. They were speaking the same thing together. We are to pray one for another, be like-minded, be of one body, one truth. Important, one truth, one truth, one truth. Further in verse two, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And it shares here that there were dwelling in Jerusalem at that time, there were devout men of every nation under heaven. There were those that were, these are, they were astounded because these men were from Galilee. They were Galileans, that's where they were from. They weren't from all these places. But you had individuals that were from uh, Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt, 
parts of Libya, Cyrene, and there were some from Rome, from Crete, speaking Greek, Arabians. But they all were able to hear their own language. And brothers and sisters, that is the spirit, the Holy Spirit that Christ is talking about. And this is why I didn't get all excited when I had that person come. I, I just pray for him. I love them. I mean, I'm not going to get all twisted about it. It is something they don't understand and they don't practice. And that's okay because not everyone will. They doesn't mean that we have to agree in the way that we worship. This is why we have problems with uh, denominations and why I shared that with you. You have individuals that want to profess denominations. So you can't do that. And you can't come to our church because you don't dress the way we do. You don't worship the way we worship. And you can't possibly know God. You can't come and talk to God in our church because you're not one of us. You remember when the disciples tried to do that? When And what did Jesus do? Jesus admonished them. He gave them a gentle rebuke, but he rebuked them nonetheless. They didn't allow that person who was sharing that they were, they had been praying in Jesus' name and that things were happening and it was a good thing. And then the disciples wouldn't let him come along with them. And then parts of the conversation, well, he wasn't one of us. And he was saying that he was doing this in your name, but he wasn't one of us. So we told him to go away. Oh, and what did Jesus do? He rebuked them. So you can't do that. If he's not against us, he's for us. He's, he is with us. He's declaring these things in my name and he's doing what I told y'all to do. And he heard this and he took my lessons to heart. And he's doing that thing simply because he's not part of the 12 that I chose. And the number is going to grow. Remember when in Luke, I shared this with you, when he sent out 70. 70. He had the original 12, but do the math. Figure it out. And then five times 12, five times two is 10, five. That's 60. Okay, well. I didn't do the math. I'm old. I forget stuff. But when he sent out the 12, and then he sent out 70, and this is right when he gives us the authority and the power to step on the heads of serpents and scorpions and face down the enemy himself. He had 70 men, 70 men came back. And they were doing all this, and he told them, he said, I, 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 don't be so excited, don't be happy for that. Be happy that you are written in the book of life. And, and the reason he did that is he gave him a gentle rebuke because he didn't want them to get all excited and be reveling in what they had done because it was it's for the glory of God. Just like this platform that I speak on is for the glory of God, his truth, his knowledge, his wisdom that I share. And he presented this gift to me and allows this to happen because he made it happen. I've shared with you how this came about. So I'm gonna wind down and let y'all go. 
be cautious and be aware of soothsayers. What are those? Well, the old term for that is, it's an old English term, and soothsayers are those that basically they come and they are glorifying themselves. They are trying to make things go away, smooth them over, and they claim to be a seer or a prophet. And I share this with you. When they come and they make a great to-do of coming to prophesy, or they come and tell you, I have come with a word from God. I am told and God sent me. Well, you don't present that to somebody if you're bringing a prophetic word of God because God doesn't do that. You come up and say, brother, sister, I love you. How's your day? Your day's going good. I, I have something that I think you might be interested in. Is it okay if we pray about this? Well, sure. And then before you step into that, then you can offer it to them. And they can refuse. Don't get all jacked up because they refuse because they can, you know, that that kinds of that kind of sounds kind of spooky to me. I don't I don't want to hear that. Don't try to force it on them. They're refusing to hear what you have to say, and that's okay. That's their choice to make. But if you are a true prophet of God, and if you are a true mission and seer that and you're carrying discernment that the Holy Spirit will give you and this is oftentimes something that comes co-connected you are a prophet and you have discernment you'll be able to see this and if they're not comfortable with what you're sharing then don't share it simply go about your way and say okay well I'd, I'd like to pray pray with you anyway is that okay offer it if they refuse then they refuse. You pray as you go and you walk away. Simple. You don't become confrontational. Don't cause a big fur about something that has no reason to be upset about. Be cautious of these that, and the reason I say to be cautious is that, again, remember what Jesus said. That they have their reward. If they're making a big production about how they pray and how in the open and making a big deal so everybody can hear it instead of the person specifically being addressed, then they've got the reward. So God will speak to those that he sends. God speaks to the prophets and he doesn't speak to the whole congregation and say, ba, 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 I'm sending John, I'm sending Mary, I'm sending Jason, I'm sending Matthew, and they have prophetic word, da, 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 da. That doesn't happen. God doesn't do that. He will send you and you go, you present it. But those that do so with a big, blaring trumpet and they make a big production, they do so for their own glorification and not that of God our Father. Be cautious of those individuals. Be cautious.
and this is what ties in line with what I share with commentators. You have a person, they're talking about Esau and Jacob, and using the phrase enraged. Well, Esau wasn't exactly enraged. He didn't like what Jacob was doing because of the blessing, and then he was told to go about a way to do something. And Jacob was up in his own mind. This is what happens to us sometimes when we do that. And he took off. And Jacob left and he went out and he found a place And actually, this is in Genesis, Genesis 28. And we need to practice this thing that Jacob did, actually. When we go to a place and we're not sure what's going on and we, we feel very alone, remember this, though. You might be alone or might seem to be alone, but you're not really alone. There's no reason to be. And as some people said this, and I... Somebody said this to me the other day, um, used the phrase lonesome. I'm alone. I'm here with my two dogs, but I'm not alone. I have two service animals that are with me that I rescued. And they're with me. I don't like not being around them. They don't like not being with me. And that's very cool. God presented them to me as a gift. And it's very powerful in this love that they share with this unconditional love that's so much more powerful in, in them than it is in, in people. Um, but this person used the phrase and the term with me of lonesome. Well, I might appear to be alone and a lot of times when we go, and I go to the class and I go to church alone, I don't have anyone, um, I don't have a person companion uh, a homo sapien companion. I have my service dogs. They don't go to church with me. They don't go a lot of places with me. Um, and that's okay. But I'm not lonesome. Not at all. I'm sitting here at my desk sharing the word of God and I have all of you out there. I can't see you. I can feel you. I can sense you. God's with me, and a lot of times he will put his hand on me or he'll put his arm around me. I'm not lonesome. I'm not lonely. The devil likes me to try to lean that way sometimes, but that's his dealings, and he wants me to do that and be, oh, woe is me, mopey, mopey, mopey. But that's not what God has for me. God is my good, good father. He's my heavenly father, and he is my sovereign Lord, God, and King. And I try, I hopefully I got this to, across to my niece. Um, she had a question came up and I hopefully I answered it with clarity for her. Um, but it talks about fear and trembling and somebody is giving her wrong scripture because Paul talks about and he's writing to uh, the church in Philippi. And he's talking about the continuation of their salvation 
because he can't be with them and, and share with them all the time so that they should be um, continuing the pursuit of their salvation with fear and trembling. And that means that they should be cautious of where they're walking, how they're walking, and to be aware of that. that that's all that he's trying to, he's trying to uplift them. I know it sounds kind of, but that's the way they talked back then, but that's not. And, and when you go before God, you go before God because he's our sovereign king. My goodness gracious, you don't go in there in arrogance and bellowing. I've told you this already. You can go with humble, bold, and upright. You don't have to grovel. You don't have to crawl in there. But boldness does not mean you're arrogant. That just means you stand upright and you go before him and you present yourself. First of all, be thankful because he gave you the breath to breathe anyway. And he's given you that really beautiful armor to wear. It's beautiful. It's shiny and it protects you. And remember this too. Don't get all jacked up about that. The armor is to protect you. It's not to go in and flail swords and all that stuff away because the Holy Spirit will let you know. But be also aware that the Bible tells us that we are in a spiritual warfare for your very soul. So when you have people that try to talk you away from that or tell you that that's not a good or appropriate way to talk, well, then you tell them to talk to God because God says that we are to put on that armor. He made it for us and he told us to wear it. He told us to put it on, so do so. And if you don't want to do it, that's a choice that you make because remember this, he gave you free will choice. But don't go around telling people not to do what God told you to do. That's not appropriate. That can get you in some problems. But brothers and sisters, be cautious. Be cautious of the soothsayers and those that are declaring something that is about themselves. And remember too that the Spirit oftentimes is speaking to you from your heart because remember this. In our faith, the spirit is indwelling. That means it's in residence in your heart or where it should be. And we should have that. Christ is there to help us. The Holy Spirit is there to guide us. Seeking the truth, always the truth. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers going out and coming in. Be blessed.